You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the second hour of Gameplay. I'm brought to I'm brought to you. I am not brought. I'm brought to you by, uh, I guess, Anne and uh, and Lewis Cause, my my parents. If if we're going to be technical about it, uh, but the show is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Actually, I'll give a, a shout out to um, a shout out to my dad, who was uh, telling me a story about when he was in his younger days, and this would have been like in the 80s and 90s. He would keep a parking ticket that he got in the past. And whenever he would park illegally, you know, just or uh, he would always just leave the parking ticket in the car. And he said back then the meter maids would never check. Also, a shout out to my dad who once taught me that the sneaky good parking spot in the city of Toronto, but this was back in the 90s, outside of Skydome where Wayne Gretzky's bar used to be on John or Peter or whatever street that is, that you could park right outside Wayne Gretzky's. And there was two spots that literally were legal parking spots. They were hiding in plain sight. So a shout-out to my father for, uh, for giving me that information. And joining me now, we go from one great newspaper man to another, from the Toronto Sun, covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is Terry Koshan. Terry, thanks so much for joining the show today. Uh, good to join you, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hopefully, uh, you, hopefully you as well. Um, we'll go. We'll go little picture, then we'll go big picture. Okay. Last night, last night, Saturday night. The, the tough part was, listen. Every team loses. Great teams lose to bad teams. That's the nature right. of 82 games. It's just when the, it's when it feels like it's a bunch of AHL call ups and no Duran, no Cole Caulfield losing. To that specific roster, three-two on Saturday. That's the tough part, wasn't it? Oh yeah, there's no doubt. And yeah, feels like it's what happened. I mean, it just listen. And there's no no excuse for it, really. And the Leafs are doing a lot of good things, fully understood. But that should extend to beating your longest rival in their rink when they have uh, not a lot of people playing that night. And you know, it, it, at least get appointed, I guess. But that, that's not satisfactory given the. Uh, the gap between the teams, but, uh, you know, I, mean, I don't know that that's the point that's going to come back and haunt them necessarily, Matt. I mean, the Bruins are home and cooled out in first place in the Atlantic. At least have a good bulge over Tampa right now. I do know there's a bit of a, uh, I've got a few games at hand that in front of me, but anyway, yeah, it's just, you know, middle of January, getting to the end of January, a bit of a doldrums, I guess, but those are, it doesn't matter what's happening in the season or when, uh, that's a hockey game that they maybe we should win, uh, uh, ten times out of ten. Yeah, and I, I, I believe uh, Tampa's got two games in hand. Yeah, and and yeah. how I and I, I don't know how you view it, but I wonder if for the Maple Leafs, do they view the remainder of this season that it's not it's not about catching Boston? That's uh, not going to happen unless you have miracles and and on the other end, it would have to be just devastating injuries for the Bruins. That this year is now not about catching Boston, but it's about ensuring that they have Game Seven at home against Tampa because it's inevitable these teams are going to play. In the playoffs and it's inevitable there's going to be a game seven yeah that's what it's about i mean they'll tell you different they'll say yeah the goal is still to catch boston and, and finish first in the division that's not going to happen uh there's just no way and you know the least recently went out and, and Bruin, the bruins go on a, on a spill that no one's predicting so yeah you know what matt uh, the, the goal is to uh, the way that the least look at it is this way go out and play your best every night try to do your best every night and if you do that with the talent that they have 
then the things will fall into place standings wise. And, you know, so they're, I don't think they're necessarily looking behind and going, oh, we have to keep Tampa at bay. It's more just saying, look, if we go out no, we're capable of doing, the goalies do what they're supposed to do. We play as five man unit. We're going to get our points. And at the end of the season, you know, we'll, we should be in second place and, uh, and have the right to host that game seven. It's a gift against that, the first round against Tampa. But, hey, in a perfect world, we'd like to somehow catch the Bruins. Well, yeah, but they have to start losing hockey games and not just one every two weeks like they're doing right now or whatever it is, you know, a couple times a week. And I just don't see that happening. So, you know, keep looking forward and, 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 and do the good thing, at least a lot of good things this season. Get consistent in doing that. They are consistent in doing that. And, uh, you know, you're certainly not worried about what's front of you and don't look back either. Um, yeah. You know, those, those points will come naturally if they're able to, like to say, if they're able to do what they are able to do naturally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in a perfect world, um, a, a Cinnabon has the same col- uh, same uh, calories and uh, nutritional yeah, value as exactly. kale. And yeah. the government is telling us that if we don't drink at least two glasses of wine a day, that that's dangerously low amount of wine, and that doctors have said minimum two a day or else you are risking your life. Uh-huh. Uh, um, Ilya Samsonov will get the start again today. He was great yeah. in relief in Florida, even better against Winnipeg, and he was not the reason why they lost on Saturday night, 28 saves on 31 shots. And and I asked this question, Terry, knowing that the state of Leafs goaltending can change in, in the span of a couple weeks. But as we are today on this Monday, January 23rd, what is the state of the Leafs goaltending? It's good. I mean, do you want them both to be playing great? Yeah, but that's, you know, not always going to be the reality. And, you know, I would say right now, Matt Murray isn't. He, he didn't in his most recent appearance last Tuesday and hadn't uh, for a while up until then. But Samsonov's in a good spot. Uh, you know, he's, he's put together some good starts here. We saw what he did in the release against the Panthers six days ago. Um, you know, he's got you know, 12-0-1 at home, so another uh, another chance to add a notch to that tonight. You know, and as far as Matt Murray goes, uh, yeah, you'd like him to be better. But, you know, you take his word, you take him at his word. He's always saying to us, you know, it's about the next day. It's preparing. Uh, get my preparation time in and practice. And when I'm, I'm ready to play, I'm ready to play. Well, the next time that happens, demonstrate that. You know, it's not going to be tonight against the Islanders. We know that. Perhaps it's against the Rangers here on Wednesday. And if not, uh, you know, Friday against the Senators. Uh, I know these five games coming up at home are all spread out. There's no back-to-backs, Matt, in that regard. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to see Matt Murray at some point. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a dead with that, but it, it's in a good state. When, when Samsonov is playing the way, the way that he is, then yes, it is. And showing confidence. And he was saying to us the other, geez, I can't remember what game it was. Was it after Florida or Winnipeg? He said, you know, I, I'm not panicking in the net. So my confidence is coming back. It started to come back with the, the January 7 game here against Detroit. And, you know, when he went away for the Christmas break, he said the one thing he had to do was give himself a mental break. So, you know, it might appear that he went and did that, and uh, maybe it took him time to get back on the ball, but he's there. And uh, you still the way he's moving in the crease too, Matt. He's not all over the place, and there's a little more structure to to what he's been doing the last few nights. So they're in a good spot. I mean, yeah. we go back to the perfect world in your Cinnabon analogy. Would you like these guys both to be Vezina Trophy winners each time out? Well, yeah, but show me a team that has two of those guys. 
I'll show you a team in some fantasy league. So those just don't exist. So they're, they're okay right now. Yeah, the perfect world. It's uh, 1999 Hashik and, and you know, peak Brodeur as your backup. Yeah. Actually, the one thing with this about taking sometimes just a bit of a break is, I mean, the Leafs, it's a perfect organization also for Matt Murray because we know defensively the Leafs have been good to often very good all, all year in terms of shots allowed and high danger chances. Yeah. And also this is an organization that embraces the idea of looking at mental health, uh, which is why, though, you know, Matt Murray has, you know, has had some bad games recently. I'm not worried about him, uh, at least not yet. No, I'm not either. I'm not either. You're going to have these dips. I mean, don't forget, we're talking about a guy in Murray coming off, you know, not a good year in Ottawa, a bad one, really. That's all there is to it. So to expect him to come in and find it uh, immediately, he got past the injury, uh, you know, early in the season. But for him to find it immediately and play at a really good level all the way through, you're asking for too much. I know he's a veteran and he's won Stanley Cups. Those are going back a few years now in Pittsburgh. So, yeah. You want him to come in and, 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 and rediscover himself, and that's the long-range goal this season for him, I think, Matt. You know, it, as he was doing it, they were winning hockey games. And there's a dip here. I don't think it's a big deal. You know, get him in five, five before the All-Star rate. Get him into two of those probably. Let him get his game back here and uh, feel good going into the, uh, into the break. But um, Matt Murray's, you know, there have been, like I say, some dips and goals he wants back, but... To me, it's not a level of concern right now. You'd be asking for way too much if you yeah. come into the season thinking, okay, he's going to be great from start to finish. Not a chance. Nope, not at all. And uh, I think uh, both goalies have met and exceeded expectations. Um, yep. What's the uh, what's the latest on uh, on TJ Brody and what would be a realistic sort of landing date for him? Well, you know, I keep talking about these days that they have, the games that come up. You know, it's January 7th, uh, full morning skate today. Uh, at least he'll practice tomorrow and then, you know, play the Rangers on Wednesday. Not going to play tonight or Wednesday uh, from what we can get. Well, we know he's not playing tonight. Keith alluded to the fact he won't play uh, on um, on Wednesday. Thursday's up in the air. I'm not sure, we're not sure what they're doing at this point, Matt, where they practice in the Ottawa at home on, uh, on Friday. So, if he's, you know, a lot of it's a rib injury. So those, you know, I've never had one, but I can only imagine how painful those can be uh, for the everyday person, let alone a guy uh, playing defense in the National Hockey League. So, you know, the, the luxury the Leafs have is they do have the depth of the blue line, as we've seen. They can take their time with these things. But as far as Brody goes, perhaps he gets in this weekend. It's, you know, the weird weekend with Ottawa at home, uh, Friday, practice Saturday, and then Washington here on Sunday. Um, I would think if he's not in by Washington Sunday, then he probably doesn't play against the Bruins here next Wednesday going into the break. Uh, just it wouldn't make sense, one sense to get him back in one game and, and have him almost hit the reset button once the break starts. So... We'll see, uh, but again, the Leafs are, have that have the luxury of not having to rush anyone back. Not that they ever have. I mean, it's yeah. the thing that Kyle Dubas and Sean Keith do. But again, we talk about the good spot of the goaltending. I think overall, it's the same with the blue line. And uh, you know, there's a the pair today of um, of Jordy, yeah, well, Ben and Brody. So Jordy Jordy Ben's there as well. So there, again, you know, you're you're talking about seven guys who could play right now. But uh, Brody, it, it's he's going to ramp up this week and the activity and practice, but. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't know if we'll see him by the end of the week or not, but again, that's not an overly uh, big concern. Yeah, and there's plenty of depth, and Giordano yeah. and Hall have been working well wrestling together. It's funny, I have no issues uh, with defense uh, beyond just the general fears that anyone has. For me, it's still about uh, about finding one more dynamic forward. Yeah. Uh, Terry, always appreciate. Check out his work in the Toronto Sun. As I always say, doesn't matter which paper it is. As I said, I was visiting my dad today. He had newspapers all over the place. Grab a copy of The Sun, The Star, The Post, The Globe Mail. Eh, grab all of them. Spend a weekend with it. Thanks so much, Terry. Thanks for having me, Matt. Anytime. Absolutely. 100%. That is Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. All right. On the other side, we're going to play. Uh, we're going to spin the wheel of sound, including uh, give a sneak peek to Sound of the Day. I've only read about it. I haven't heard it, but I feel like it's going to be wildly hypocritical of me to make fun of some announcers, but I still will. And we'll do that right after traffic. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos, right here on TSN 1050. And as I was uh, chatting with uh, Terry Koshan in the last segment, uh, I get a little, uh, my uh, producer starts giggling a little bit and says, we got sound of the day. Um, people, there might be people listening now that won't be here at around 3.52. So uh, what is this that you found there, producer Chris Horvat? It is a, an absolute gem from Fox News. Uh, they were reporting on the Bruce Boudreaux mm. firing. Yes, and, um, Bruce Boudreaux. You know, as, a, as yeah. has been known to happen here on Gameplay, you know, from time to time, there was a bit of a slip of the tongue. It's rare, but it'll happen. Oh, you know, yeah, blue moon, yeah. all that. Yeah, all that. But, um... Let, 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 let's take a listen here. Okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I can do it justice, really, by explaining it. All right. Former Washington Capitals coach Bruce Boudreaux has oh. been fired by the Vancouver Can- Canucks. Oh. The team announced the change Sunday, less than a week after president of hockey operations Jim Rutherford said major surgery was needed to fix the Canucks. Rick Tukid was hired oh. as Boudreaux's replacement. Oh, God. Just a train wreck of mispronunciations. <laughs> okay, see... I'm gonna I'm gonna give them I I'm gonna give them Canucks or excuse me um, Boudreaux and, and talk it but but Canucks like I think we'll, we'll play it again in a second I think the problem is this announcer realized and it happens to me all the time you'll say one name wrong and you know you've done it and then that short circuits your brain and all your confidence completely completely goes away. So let, let, let's hear this clip one more time. Former Washington Capitals coach Bruce Boudreaux has been fired by the Boudreaux, Vancouver Can- Canucks. The team Oof. announced the change Sunday, less than a week after president of hockey operations Jim Rutherford said major surgery was needed to fix the Canucks. Oh. Rick Tukin oh. was hired oh. as Boudreaux's replacement. Oh, God. It's just- it's like, it's like that Simpsons episode when Homer is beating the crap out of the Hamburglar and he's just knocking the snot of him and the kids are crying, going, stop, stop, he's already dead. Ah, uh, you know, there's, there was some producer in, you know, in the booth there just, just tearing their hair out and like going, you're, you're saying all these words very horribly, horribly wrong. The only nukes that are in Vancouver are mm. the ones that should hit that awful roster. Yes. Um, the 
The Bengals and the Chiefs, that line opened at three, and we'll have Dominic Padula will join us from TSN Edge. That line went down a point and a half within an hour or so. The Eagles, two-and-a-half-point favorite against the 49ers. We'll get back into that, but tonight you got the Islanders at the Leafs, and there is a FanDuel super boost. Michael Bunting to score, and Austin Matthews to record four or more shots. That was going in at plus 475, but they've boosted that to plus 625. So not a, not a bad little boost there. Also, how many people do you think are jumping on Tavares to score tonight, even though he doesn't usually have a lot of success against his former team? Oh, I think just about anyone loves a good revenge game narrative. Yeah. So, of, yeah. of course, I I like the super boost one. That's not bad. I, I bet you, um, I bet you, Bunting's anytime goal is probably about two fifty, three hundred, maybe something or other. Yeah. yeah so, so to uh, so to throw Matthews shot prop on top of that, which is a pretty pretty good one there. I could cool, def- yeah yeah I could see that for sure. And if you want to do Tavares plus one eighty eight to score or eleven to one plus eleven hundred to score first. Um the Leafs lose three two in overtime to Montreal on Saturday. Islanders lost five two to Carolina on Saturday. Islanders just two five and three in their last ten. Uh Cal Clutterbuck is out. There's some other injuries or questionables for the Islanders tonight, which is why the Leafs are minus two forty to beat the Islanders. Um going through some of the uh, divisional games. Um, real quick, the Jags losing 27-20 to Kansas City. And Mahomes, a magician on the first touchdown drive and a magician late when um, just the vision and patience by him uh, late in the game uh, to make it 27-17, a six-yard touchdown pass to Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Maybe the key, though, was the Chad Henney Touchdown drive of 98 yards when it was 10-7 with about 10 minutes left in the second. Now, a lot of that, though, was with the running game by Kansas City. The Eagles, man, they made that look easy against the Giants. Up 28-0 in the first half. And there had only been four more lopsided first-half playoff shutouts in NFL history. And the Giants started with turnover on downs and a Daniel Jones interception. Then three more drives that were three and out, three and out, three and out, punt, punt, punt. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts looked really good. He looked really good early on in that game. He did everything that was needed. Once they got off by a big score, they were just, let's run the ball. And they did. Miles Sanders can gain well 268 yards on the ground. They allowed one sack and just four pressures from Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and Kayvon Thimido. So the Giants' strength was completely negated by the Eagles. I am so glad, once again, I was at a dinner party where I did not need to be the person to leave the room to go uh, watch TV. I mean, Jason Kelsey is an animal. I don't know if you oh. saw the one play. Uh, the, I forget who the nose tackle is. Dexter Lawrence? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, he one-hands Dexter Lawrence backwards. Like, Dexter Lawrence That's is one incredible. Of, he's one of the five or seven heaviest players in the league. Um, I'm not sure, other than the Manning brothers, if we've ever seen a Hall of Fame pair oh. of, of, like, a duo in the NFL quite like the Kelsey brothers. Yeah, um... Rondé and Tiki Barber. Rondé Barber, cornerback for the Tampa. Tiki Barber, running back for the Giants. But they're not on the level of the Mannings, and I don't think they're on the levels of the Kelseys. But that's, Honestly. But that's the, only other one that, um, that's the only other one that sort of comes to mind. And then on, uh, on Sunday, like just 
Dak Prescott's getting paid a lot of money. And I get it when you throw interceptions if your offensive line is horrible. If the ball tips off the hands of the receiver. Like sometimes we look at the box score and we don't know what's going on. We just look at the box score, we see a bunch of interceptions. Oh, quarterback's fault. Sometimes it's the receiver's fault, running the wrong route. Sometimes the ball goes off a hand, sometimes the ball's deflected. But if you go back, both those interceptions by Dak Prescott in the first half, there was great pass protection. And the first one, um, the, the cornerback for, um, for the 49ers, Lenore, a guy I've never even heard of, jumps the route, gets the pick. Then the second one, Prescott trying to force it to CeeDee Lamb, who had a great day. But if you, I, I remember I paused it right when the ball left Dak Prescott's hands. There was two San Francisco defenders within a yard of CeeDee Lamb. And then the ball hit Jimmy Ward and then deflected right to Fred Warner. I don't even look at that as lucky because those defenders were right there. And, and Prescott should have been picked off with under three minutes to go on first down. That pass, uh, uh, Drake Grenlaw uh, dropped what should have been a pick six. That was a horrible game for Dak Prescott. I mean, I know everyone wanted to heap all the praise on Dak after the win over the Bucks, And he was great in that game. It was the best game of his career, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's all true. But I think we've seen now a, a, a body of work where Prescott does not step up in the biggest games, in the biggest moments of any given game. And I think it's fair to wonder, like, can you win a championship with this guy? I'm not saying the Cowboys' offense was perfect by any stretch this year, but I mean, look, they had two very serviceable running backs, Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. They have a true number one wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb. They have good secondary receivers, Noah Brown, Michael Gallup. Could they maybe... Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, yeah. Dalton Schultz I didn't even great, mention Dalton Schultz. So, I mean, are they, are they a top-five skill group? Probably not, but there's certainly nothing to sneeze at, and that should be enough for Prescott to overcome these moments, but yes. it just continues happening. He doesn't, and the problem is is that the quarterback and the coach are good enough, not where they need to be fired, but not good enough to win a championship. Now, the only, the only excuse I will grant to Dallas, losing Tony Pollard was a massive hit for them in a game that close. But if the 49ers go on to win the Super Bowl, and they're the underdog, and they will be. They'll be the underdog in the next two games, no matter who they play. You know, in, unless you know that quarterback gets injured. But if the 49ers won a Super Bowl, then how much does every team change the way they view drafting quarterbacks? And my answer to that is be very, very careful. You can do this like San Fran, but all it needs is one tiny little thing. You're going to need to have the best defensive end, the best left <laughs> tackle, top three best tight end, top five best wide out, uh, maybe then another guy as good as Brandon Ayuk, and you're also going to need a Fred Warner, you're going to need an Armin Armstead, the defensive tackle. Like the, You can say, oh, well, look what San Fran's doing. Okay, that's great. You're going to have to find, draft, and develop six other Pro Bowl players. Well, I mean, like, what has all the talk around Purdy been, right? Brock Purdy. It's been around the fact that he's mystery relevant. So uh-huh. if, if the 49ers really believed in him that much, they would have selected him earlier, right? Yes. No, he, he was a total dart throw. And even look at how San Fran approached the quarterback position in recent years. They decided, you know what? 
Jimmy G, not cutting it. We need to trade up and get Trey Lance. Obviously, that didn't work out, but I'm with you. I, 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 I don't know that you can see Purdy have this kind of success in too many other environments. Now, and I, I, think, I think Kyle Shanahan deserves all the flowers for what he's done with him. The only place you can think of maybe Kansas City. Yep. yep. Chad, Chad Henney comes in, and it is a 98-yard touchdown drive in a three-point game in the second quarter. That's about it. Henny given Sunday, baby. Oh, oh, you're waiting on that one. Now, <laughs> here is the credit I will give to Brock Purdy. Dallas is really good defensively, and they threw a lot of pressure on this rookie. He didn't turn the ball over. In eight games, he has three interceptions, and he's lost zero fumbles. Doesn't have an interception in these two playoff games, so I will give him credit for that. Um, he is not He is not the reason, the, he's not in the top three reasons why they're winning games, but he's also not making that killer mistake as well. We will stay with football. Dominic Padula from, ES, from ESPN. Dominic Padula, TSN Edge, senior sports betting analyst, will join the show right after traffic. This is Gameplay. Can I get in on that? On TSN 1050. You broke his thumbs. It was an accident. <laughs> is that what you call it when somebody doesn't pay up? Embrace the odds. I want winner. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. Joining me now. TSN Edge betting analyst, Dominic Padula. And Dominic, um, do you want to start the show by doing a little bragging? Uh, no need to brag, but uh, yeah, heck of, a, heck of a weekend. And, uh, you know, from a player prop perspective, I actually thought that uh, I didn't really have too much to brag about. But I'm happy that the, the Bengals and Eagles are in their respective conference championship games. And, Hopefully after next weekend, I'll, I'll be able to tee up uh, a 45-to-1 exact Super Bowl outcome bet. Well, for people who don't know, Dominic Padula, and you can read his work at tsn.ca slash edge, uh, entering week 17 of the regular season, you <clears throat> predicted the Bengals will beat the Eagles at the Super Bowl. The Eagles side of it, I can understand more. Um, but when you looked at Cincinnati, during the offseason, they were as low as 22-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Um, and the first half month or the first part of September, that number went as down as low as 35-1. to 1. Now, they haven't lost a game since Halloween, but was there a certain game, a moment, when you realized the Bengals are the best value play out there? Uh, yeah, it was probably around the time that I bet them that I really started to buy in. Um, they, they started to talk about you know, having a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, not getting much respect. Um, the the big moment for me, they they were coming off the win over Tennessee week twelve. They go on to beat the Chiefs in week thirteen, and I'm staring at them because I'm looking at the number for Cincinnati. We do these weekly write ups. We're talking about Super Bowl futures, and Cincinnati's number just kept coming down and down and down. And by the time that I had realized, like, oh my goodness, I I think. At this point, Cincinnati is a good bet to at least reach the Super Bowl. A lot of the value had already disappeared, so I wish I had jumped on them earlier. But by the time we got to Week 17, uh, they're coming off the win over the Patriots. I liked them in that initial game going into Week 17 against the Bills. Uh, I thought that they were trending in the, the right direction, and that's when this, the exact Super Bowl outcomes uh, market started to pop up. Um, I had liked... I had initially actually gone back and forth with San Francisco and Philadelphia, 
in the NFC, and, and the switch at quarterback in particular uh, made me sort of lean towards the Eagles instead of the 49ers. So that's how I got on the Eagles. And then Cincinnati, I really thought um, they had the value based on the fact that the Chiefs were the Super Bowl favorite, the Bills were the second choice, Bengals had a better number than both of them. And I thought, you know, 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes in his career, they had beat them three straight meetings. And then the Bills had just been through so much this season, all of the injuries on both sides of the football. Remember, this was prior to the incident uh, when the Bengals and Bills played in Week 17. So even prior to that, just, you know, relocating games, the blizzard, the injuries, Josh Allen hadn't been the same since the elbow injury, everything was trending in the direction of leaning Bengals. So I put the two together at a decent price, and and there uh, we are. And now I'm hoping that uh, it could play out in my favor. But one more weekend to go. Yeah, me, absolutely. Yeah, it is one more weekend. And speaking of next weekend, we'll sort of bounce back and forth between looking ahead and looking back of what we saw from this past weekend. Um, the Chiefs opened as a three-point favorite that immediately uh, has gone down to a point and a half. When you look at that line, um, is the story of that stat where the Kansas City is only favored by a point and a half at home, how much of that is because of a high ankle sprain injury in Mahomes, and how much of that is just how dominant Cincinnati was on the road in snowy Buffalo? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. I think obviously the Mahomes injury is going to be a, be a, a big talking point throughout the week, and, and the fact that it's a high ankle sprain um the the fact that he was so limited in the second half uh, against the Jaguars and then carrying over the importance of his ability not just to to run as a, as a quarterback but just we were talking it was funny during the first half of the game against the Jags we talked about the way he moves on the football field almost like he knows the spot he has to get through to just buy enough time to make the pass that he wants to make. And he couldn't do that after the injury. So I think that's one part of it. And then the other part is Bengals being a little bit underestimated, um, but dominant against KC, something that you can't ignore. I was shocked. I was shocked when I saw Bengals plus three pop up. The funny little story, like we were getting the graphic ready. Uh, TSN Edge team was all together, and we wanted to post something um, on our social media account. And just the early line, and our graphics guy couldn't keep up with it. He had the three, and then he had a two and a half, and then he had a one and a half. And he was like, guys, like I don't know what to do. I just told him, just bet the Bengals. Um, but I, I, I really like the Bengals at plus three, and obviously it's not there now, but still plus one and a half at FanDuel. And, and I, I think the Bengals are going to win this game. So I, I still think the Bengals are the right side there. Was that the most shocking thing from the weekend? Not that Cincinnati won. Almost I, everyone I knew is like saying, "Yeah, I'm taking Cincinnati plus the points." But just the thorough dominance that uh, that they uh, exerted, especially with a banged up offensive line. Uh, what I saw on Sunday looked like a looked like a team that had the best line in football. Yeah, absolutely, and and. Uh, Joe Burrow hardly pressured. I think he was sacked once. You saw that the rhythm that they got it in. That was the big thing for me is just they changed this offense midseason. A lot more shotgun passing, getting the ball out. Obviously, they're loaded at wide receiver. Bills really didn't do a, a very good job of getting to him. And part of that, I think, was the conditions. Obviously, hard to get your footing in the snow. And um, that ball's coming out so quickly. By the time guys were actually getting to him, the ball was already gone. Um, but I think that when I was looking at that game, for me, the biggest thing was just, and it's something that's sort of been a theme all year, it's just how coaches adjust to certain scenarios. And I thought the Bills' defense in particular, they stayed in zone way 
way too much in that game and Joe Burrow's ability to pick them apart. I don't think um, that that was the right decision. I thought when they when they played a little bit more man, um, they were able to slow them down a little bit, make a couple plays. Um, but that's something that going into this this uh, this next game, it's in Kansas City. I don't know what the conditions are going to be like, but we know it's going to be cold. And I think that something carrying over to this game, Cincinnati has played very well as an underdog. They played very well in these conditions. But the further that line moved, the more convinced I was that I wanted to take the points with the Bengals. Um, but you know what? I, I have to admit, in hindsight, I was kicking myself because I, I, I let myself um, be convinced that maybe, maybe the Bills had a, a really good chance to win the game. Um, and I wish I put a little bit more on Bengals' money line, to be honest. Hey, don't get greedy. You got Bengals and Eagles yeah. in the Super Bowl. You're not in a bad place. Uh, but, yes, yeah. I think a lot of us are feeling, especially after the first two drives, like, oh, oh, Cincinnati's winning outright, and this is actually a pretty easy bet. Um, speaking of easy, the Eagles-Giants game, uh, this game was over by the end of the first quarter. Really, um, going back and looking at Eagles-Giants, my, uh, my biggest takeaway is Eagles' offensive and defensive line are just both stunningly overwhelming, and the Minnesota Vikings are even worse than we thought. In fact, I thought Minnesota was the real loser uh, on Saturday night. But when you now look at this Eagles team, where at the very least Jalen Hurts was able to throw and complete some deep balls to uh, Devonta Smith, when you look at Eagles and 49ers, I, uh, I'm i kind of all over uh, Eagles, and I'll take the, that point and a half. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I'm feeling really good at, uh, about Philly, uh, but what are you yeah. seeing early on? No, same boat as you. I think the biggest thing for me is these are probably, at this point, in, in terms of the, the overall roster, offense and defense, two, two of the, the most stacked teams in the league, obviously Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, what they do. I'm not taking anything away from the Chiefs and the Bengals, but in terms of roster talent, both these teams are absolutely loaded, the Eagles and the 49ers. The big difference for me is going to be the quarterback position, and Jalen Hurts hasn't showed uh, any ill effects from the shoulder injury that he suffered. He's able to run the ball and obviously buy time with his legs to throw the ball. That's something that we didn't really see from Brock Purdy. He, he had one run um, and a couple of uh, play-action passes that he was able to scramble and find the open guy that, that passed to George Kittle in particular. But I just feel a lot more comfortable with Jalen Hurts at quarterback than Brock Purdy. Both, both uh, defenses are going to bring pressure. Both defenses are going to, I think, do a good job of covering. But I think the biggest difference is going to be the time that Hurts is able to buy with his legs to wait for guys to get open. The depth that wide receiver with uh, Devontae Smith, who obviously had a really good game against the Giants, and then that pressure. Um, the first half of the game against the Cowboys, the 49ers, they really weren't able to run the football. I think they averaged like two yards per carry. Oh, yeah. If that happens against the Eagles, that's going to be a big, big problem. Yeah, and the one thing I wonder about is, and, and I'm going to give Purdy credit for this. He did not take, um, you know, he didn't uh, have a fumble or an interception in the playoffs, doesn't have many mm-hmm. turnovers in his eight starts. And, and, and you know, though, I'm, I'm just going to give him credit for this. I was about to say, well, yeah. let's see what he does against Philly. But Dallas has a really good defense. Dallas is an aggressive one. Dallas is a team that creates lots of turnovers. And look who didn't. And that was uh, Purdy against a damn good Cowboys defense. And cause, cause the flip side of that. And it's something that I think is worth consideration. You're absolutely right. He didn't have a single turnover. But guess what? Mm. We don't know how he's going to react if he has one. And I think yeah. that's the big thing is he hasn't had that 
sort of moment where it's like a crushing mistake where he has to go back and then go back and lead the offense. What happens in that situation when all of a sudden you're not invincible? I think that could happen this week. Yeah, and the question I really wonder about is can... And, I mean, it was fairly balanced. It was 29 pass attempts versus 32 runs. But for the 49ers, so much of their offense is based on we're going to hide our quarterback. But yeah. I do wonder, does he have does he have five, four or five third and nine completions <laughs> in him? Yes, absolutely. No, it's, it's a great point. If, if Christian McCaffrey is going to average 3.5 yards per carry, and, and Debo Samuel is not going to give you much as a rusher. And Elijah Mitchell, he, he actually finished the game really strong. I he did. Anybody who bet is over was laughing with the way that that game ended. But I don't know that you could count on them against a, a good Eagles front or secondary a scout. They're going to be able to get pressure. I, I don't know. When that, when that run game isn't there, I'll give, you know, you're right. Cowboys defense was excellent all, all year. But I think the Philly defense, especially with the pressure that they're able to bring consistently up front, I think they're on another level. And their and their coverage guys, I think it's going to be a, a heck of a test for Brock Purdy if he pulls it off. Then I'll, I'll admit I was wrong, but uh, but I, I'm I'm with you. I'm all on the Eagles this week. Yeah, no, I'm on the Eagles as well, and also the Eagles offensive line. They yeah. were able to do the like the, the strength of the Giants was Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and Kayvon Thibodeau. Those guys had one sack and just four pressures as the Eagles put up 268 yards on the ground. And, you know, so I think the Eagles, I don't, the Eagles offensive line is not going to have as much success against uh, San Fran because San Fran is more talented. But I think the Eagles offensive and defensive line, the defensive line where they just keep rotating lineman after lineman, every one of them can get you a sack and a half. I just think the, I think the Eagles are the only team in football that you can say can match up on the offensive and defensive line with the 49ers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And, don't don't remind me about that Eagles running game because Kenneth Gainwell runs for a touchdown, Jalen Hurts runs for a touchdown, Boston Scott runs for a touchdown. I had Miles Sanders caught. Oh. Sanders anytime <laughs> touchdown, only one who couldn't put a punch it in. <laughs> you know the rules. Never bet against Boston Scott when he's facing <laughs> when he's facing the Giants defense. Oh my god. And the worst part there is who had the most carries? It was Miles Sanders with 17. Who yeah, did not get yeah. a touchdown? Was give me my touchdown. Uh, well, you know, you're still doing well. Hey, congrats again. Uh, you'll be, it'll be an interesting week for you. Everyone out there, go to tsn.ca slash edge. Check out all the work being done by Dominic Padula and everyone else on that staff as they get you set for the AFC-NFC championship game and so much more. Thank you for joining the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great one. Absolutely. You as well. That is Dominic Padula, Senior Betting Analyst with tsn.ca slash edge. All right. On the other side, we have got sound of the day where we make fun of, I hate to say, we, we make fun of broadcasters for screwing up names. Is it the most hypocritical thing we do on gameplay? Yes, it is. That's coming up next. The Vancouver Canucks fired Bruce Boudreau and have hired Rick Tockett. Why am I saying it just like that? You'll understand because it's time now for Sound of the Day. Sound of the Day, Sound of the Day. Here comes the Sound of the Day. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. I am your host, Matthew Cause. And now we go live to Fox 5 DC as uh, their announcers are breaking down 
the Canucks firing, and is this hypocritical of me to play this sound where basically I am just making fun of a broadcaster? It is hypocritical. Let's all laugh together. Former Washington Capitals coach Bruce Boudreau has been fired by the Vancouver Can Canucks. The team announced the change Sunday, less than a week after president of hockey operations Jim Rutherford said major surgery was needed to fix the Canucks. Rick Tukid was hired as Boudreau's replacement. You know who low-key sewered, <laughs> sewered her? Yeah. The script writer. If you really don't think that she can do it, you got to spell it out phonetically for yes. them. Yes, yeah, 100%. But maybe they just assumed... I mean, talk it. I could see, like, a talk it with one where it's like, okay, maybe they don't know. But Canucks... That's the like. That's the big mistake. You can screw up a name because oh, you know, maybe they're uh, you know Boudreaux. Maybe it's from a certain part of France or this or it's in this part of Europe or here or here or whatever. And maybe there's a certain dialect. And you know, you can see the word Rick Tockett. Maybe that's going to throw your brain a little bit. But to go from Canucks to Canucks, that's the that is the really chef's kiss of what the hell are you doing? I don't know, man. The talkit one's pretty bad. Touch it? Yeah, but the, the, if you just see, the, if you've never, if you're doing live TV and you've never in your life, never in your life discussed Rick Tockett, you never saw the word Tockett, I could see how your brain would confuse you. I'm, I'm trying to give this individual the benefit of the doubt, but Canucks. That's the inexcusable mistake. Yeah, no, you're right. That one does stand above the other oh, three, yeah. uh, other two. Yeah, and, and by the way, none of them are good, but one of them is just particularly horrible. All right, we got a couple of minutes here. Let's let's spin the wheel. Uh, let's spin the wheel of sound. Uh, give me a little Stephen A. Smith. I, I believe reveling in the Cowboys losing, and and I believe in this one, he's making fun of Michael Irving. A dude that's been paid over $95 million over the last two years. $95 million for one playoff victory. And your buddy, that same buddy that you were in the suite with Monday night, that same buddy that you were slapping high fives with and hugging, that same buddy whose wife and children you were hugging and kissing, and saying, oh, you were so happy, you understand, that you were in that box celebrating with, is a very, very sad man today. To use his words, sick. So what I'd like you to do when you leave this set today is I want you to take a flight straight back to Dallas. And I don't even want you to go home. I want you to beeline straight to the home, whether it's the yacht or the mansion of Jerry Jones, and I want you to go there and console that man because he did not deserve that loss yesterday. That defense played like a championship defense. <laughs> it's the perfect thing for uh, what Stephen A. Smith has done. He started years ago being, I'm going to be the guy that's always going to rip the Cowboys because you're always going to get attention. Most of America is going to applaud you because they hate uh, the Cowboys. And the state of Texas gets real super loud about it, and they'll get real angry at you. But you will win basically all the time. Only one team wins the Super Bowl. 
And and Stephen A can go through chunks of the year. Like, oh, oh, I'm wrong. Up, oh, Cowboys won six in a row. Oh, they just won three in a row with Cooper Rush. But in the end, Stephen A. Smith will always win because in the end, Dak Prescott is good but not good enough, and Mike McCarthy is goodish, or he's fine. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys, um, they're always going to be a good team, but they're never going to be a great postseason team. And yes, we don't need to talk about the Maple Leafs here. We don't need, at least the Cowboys have won a playoff game. Anyway, but that's a, it's brilliant by Stephen A. Smith because his shtick always wins. It does. And I, we didn't, we didn't get to all of the, the, uh, audio from that show today. Yeah. But let me tell you, that was far from the only shot he took at them. Uh, oh, I, the whole show, the whole show yeah. was him making fun of the Cowboys. He, he was move. wearing a cowboy hat and he was smoking a cigar. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, salt in the wound there. Oh, yeah. A lot of, yeah, absolutely. What do you think is going to be the bigger story this week? Is it going to be, uh, the 49ers versus the Eagles or the future of, or just people looking at Dak Prescott's contract? I kind of feel like the 49ers and Eagles will rightfully get the headlines. This, this is what we what we think the two best teams in the NFC are, right? But that doesn't matter. The, the, the fate of the Cowboys, Jerry, they're speculating when Jerry Jones is going to die. You know, like, <laughs> that, I, 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 that's legitimately a conversation was had. Um, Mike McCarthy, oh, what about Sean Payton? And oh, what are you going to do with Dak Prescott? And it's not like, you, it's not like you're going to find a guy in the draft who's going to be better than Dak next year. It's not like this, you know, oh, what about is there a way to get Aaron Rodgers? Like people, what about bringing in Tom Brady? The amount of speculation you can do with the Cowboys and quarterback, uh, you can run rampant with it. So I, I think I think the the, the clickbait clickbaity thing is going to be all uh is going to be all Cowboys. Yeah, I mean it's fair to say, but I just kind of feel like that's another day that ends in Y for the Cowboys, right? Fair feel, point. I when in doubt, just talk. When in doubt, just talk about the Cowboys. It's good. Good point by you. Uh, gameplay on TSN 1050 was brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Overdrive. It's Hayes. It's Jamie McLennan. It is the O Dog. Uh, Chris Johnston's coming on. Marcellus Wiley's coming on the show. We got Leafs Islanders. Is Tavares plus 188 on FanDuel to score. We will catch you tomorrow. It's been a fun one. Have a great night, everyone. Be good. Be safe. Time now for traffic.